Hey, good morning, Freshwater. Good morning. As Jake said, my name is Len Mar. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And hey, it's good to see all the kids in the service today, isn't it? Can we give them a, we give them a round of applause here? Yeah. Yeah. Can I get a wave from all the kids that are in here? Some of you, yeah, some waves there on, online and at home. Can I get a wave there too as well? All right, so this is awesome. This is Easter Sunday, right? It's Resurrection Sunday. It's the Sunday that we celebrate that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is risen from the dead. He is no longer in the tomb. He is risen. He has risen indeed. So when we think about this weekend, right, when we think about what Good Friday and today represents, it's central to our faith, right? It's foundational to our faith. In fact, Peter, or not Peter, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says it's of first importance. It's of first importance that we know that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. That's of first importance. He goes on in that passage to say, if the resurrection never took place, then our faith is in vain. It means that it's empty. It's not worth much. He says it's it's futile, right? It's, It's basically worthless. Because what Paul knew is without Jesus's death and resurrection, there is no salvation. And if there's no salvation, then there's no hope for this life and for the next. So when we talk about salvation, the the question is, is that if salvation is there, that means that we are saved from something, right? You, you, You just don't say, oh, it's salvation and there's nothing that we're saved from. So the question this morning is, is what do we need to be saved from? Because if we don't know what it is that we need to be saved from, or we forgot what we have been saved from or saved to, then we're gonna lose the full significance of Easter today. All right, so let's just jump in and answer that question. Why do we need to be saved? And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, all the way back at the beginning. And you might think this is a weird place to, to start, but just stay with me, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in it. And that includes the first man and the first woman. Then verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And God blessed them. God bless them. Then in verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So God created everything. Creation is over, and he looks at his creation, and he goes, That is very good. He places the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, in the garden, and he he asked them to take care of the garden. They're living in this state of perfection, It's this perfect environment, and they're in perfect relationship with one another, and they're in perfect relationship with the God that they were created for. I want you to hear that this morning. Not only were they created for a relationship with God, but you and I are created for a relationship with God. That's who we're created for, to actually experience our joy in Him and to worship and glorify Him forever. And he says, look, he goes, while you're in the garden, you can eat of any tree that you want, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will surely die. 
So the state of perfection doesn't last very long. In fact, Eve is by the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Satan enters in, and, and Satan starts tempting Eve. Starts te- tempting her and basically saying, look, look, is that really what God said? <laughs> Are you sure that's what God said? Like, it, it, do you think that's what he means? Like, do you think God's holding out on you? Right? It's the same thing that Satan uses for all of us today. And Eve questions God. She's tempted and she eats of the fruit and she gives it to her husband. And look at the immediate consequences. It's in chapter three, verse seven. It says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It doesn't sound very good anymore, does it? That state of perfection was broken. That relationship between uh, Adam and Eve, in fact, um, earlier when it says that they were both naked and not ashamed, now because of their disobedience, there was shame that entered in to that relationship. But not only that, their relationship with God was broken as well. God removed them out of the garden, but it was more than just removing them out of the garden. This, this uh, you will surely die. Now they were gonna actually taste death, but it wasn't just physical death, it was spiritual death as well. Again, that relationship they were created for, that we were created for, it was broken. That perfect, intimate relationship with God was broken and they were separated from him. But the actions of Adam and Eve not only affected them, not only affected their family, but it affected all of creation. That sin rippled through all of God's creation, not just then, but even now. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. All men. All women. All kids, all of us. Now, you hear a story like that, and maybe that's the first time that you've heard that story, and you're like, ah, I don't know if I can buy that. Maybe you even know the creation story, and you go, yeah, 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 I get that, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. That just seems to be. But if you stop and you pause and you're honest with yourself, you see the effects of sin and evil all around you, do you not? That brokenness that we just read about, we see it around us. In in the world, the people around us is, is we see fear and we see anger and we see hopelessness, right? We see pain, we see suffering, we see this hardship. We see disease, we see death, we see chaos, we see war, like all of those things. That's just around us, but what about in us? It's not just outside of us, but it's in us as well. We have our own pain, right? Our own suffering, mentally, physically, emotionally. We have our own hardships. We do things at times we don't want to do. We even sit there and go, oh, why do I keep doing this thing over and over again? And the shame and the guilt that comes along with it. We live in this life and we go, man, there's, there's got to be something more. It just doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm missing something. So we pursue all of these things to say, man, if I could just grab onto this, that's meaning. If I could just grab onto that, that's purpose, right? 
My identity is going to be found in this. Like happiness, that's what I'm looking for. Happiness, happiness, happiness. But at the end, everything we seem to grab fades, doesn't it? It just seems to come up short. We seem to be disappointed. So when you look at the way that things were created originally, in the world that we're living in now, it's not hard to see that sin and evil has messed with what God had created and said was very good. So ever since I was five years old, soccer was my absolute passion. And truly, even at a young age, I knew that I wanted to get a full ride scholarship and play college soccer. So my junior year of high school, um, I got a full ride scholarship to play at Miami of Ohio, which was awesome. And then my senior year, we ended up going to the state championship. Um, and so during that time, I started to notice I wasn't feeling that well i was kind of having some issues going to the bathroom a little bit more than the normal person but i just thought it was like no big deal um and so then fast forward we won the state championship which was absolutely incredible so i was kind of in this place in my life where i was like cool i got my scholarship like you know the next year i'm going to be going to miami of ohio and playing and like pursuing that dream that i've had ever since i was five and then i mean what like a way to go out was just this high school championship which was an incredible experience at the age of 18. i mean like what more could you ask for but <laughs> i thought i had my future pretty much set but god was like oh, we have other plans for you so i think it was around february of 2010 um, I got severely ill. So that included, I lost like 20 pounds literally in the matter of a week. So like my normal weight was like 125 and I was down to like 100 pounds easy. Um, I was going to the bathroom a ton, like could not sleep at night because I would just be getting up to go to the bathroom. Like during the day, my entire life totally changed and I it was revolved around like where a bathroom was. Went into the doctors obviously and they did a workup and I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Um, which is a form of inflammatory bowel disease. And not to get too in graphic with it, but essentially um, you lose control sometimes of your bowels, which isn't fun at the age of 18. Um, but truly like it's your dignity just completely <laughs> is shattered with this illness. Um, and then also there's like abdominal burning, cramping, a lot of pain. Um, and then it's a huge absorption issue. So like food, which is the basic thing that you have to do in life, right? Is to eat food. And this disease was like, no, we're gonna make that really difficult for you and you're not gonna be able to gain weight. So I was going through this period of, um, you know, relying on my body for 18 years up until that point to get me where I needed to go to like achieve my goals, right? And now I had no control at all over my body and what was happening with it. Um, so went into freshman year of college and I was really sick it just, it wasn't good. We tried different medicines. I couldn't get back to where I was. That was rough, um, especially just because when you're 18, 19, right? Like that was my thing and I loved it so much. And I always, the example I use is like, you know, those papers you would write growing up that's like, um, describe yourself in one word. Always it was athlete. And so now it was like, what do I put now? You know what I mean? Because that was completely gone. Um, and I was no longer an athlete when you're 99 pounds. <laughs> so at that time, like being a young 20 something and not being able to just 
control, like have a basic thing that you learn to do when you're like three years old is just to go to the bathroom. And yet I had no control over it. And it was honestly like mortifying. I mean, I still remember um, during preseason for soccer at Miami, I couldn't play my freshman year, obviously. So I was like on the sideline just watching. And I, it's like when that hit, you had literally had to get to the bathroom right away. And I just had an accident right then and there. And I remember going into the bathroom and just like bawling my eyes out and calling my mom and just like being absolutely like frustrated um, and just really embarrassed. It was a super embarrassing thing. My confidence was so low, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, not only because like the physical was just, again, like we touched upon no control, but also the medicines that I was being placed on um, caused certain side effects. So like prednisone for anyone who's been on that, um, it like, my face was so big. Like it was like the moon. Um, and also even I was on that prior to college, like my senior year of prom. And like, that was just so rough for me to mentally like get over. Cause I mean, now you look back like vanity, it shouldn't be one of those like major things, but for an 18 year old girl, it's huge. So freshman year, um, I was redshirted because I was so sick and they were trialing different medicines I wasn't really responding to. And to give you an idea, like my symptoms at that time, um, again, I was getting up like 10 to 15 times a night. Um, I couldn't really, like I could eat, but it just, everything would go through me and I really couldn't gain weight. Um, but I had the personality again, I didn't want to, relinquish control. So I was like, this isn't going to define me. I'm just going to keep going. And then actually, so on the prednisone, I was kind of able to respond a little bit and I was able to come back my sophomore year and I ended up tearing my ACL, which like not only losing control of like my physical body, but then losing control of like everything going on in my life essentially, because I ultimately like lost that scholarship and um, it was really rough and it was very, I don't even like now reflecting on it. Like I almost felt like so angry but like hopeless almost because it's like what do you do from there and I think it was just kind of like I don't know I just didn't know who I was anymore in a way because my identity was just completely stripped and so at that point um you know I had a frank conversation with my family and it was time to to put up the cleats um so that was a really rough time for sure and at that point I like didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to like cope with that and so I just wanted to get away from it all and like I wanted soccer completely out of my life I didn't want to be around it like I didn't want to be involved with the team I just wanted to like push it away because I was so heartbroken I was really angry yeah god because I didn't understand him you know like I didn't my relationship at that time was like so surface level um, sorry. <laughs> I just remember being in that space, even now, and it was just a really rough season. Um, but again, I, I just, it's cool, because like now when I reflect, I realize it was from like, I didn't truly understand the Lord and like how good he is, even in the suffering. And it was just, I was so wrapped up in like, you know, earthly desires and stuff. I didn't really get it yet. So after that, um, I still really wasn't like, I've, I've always believed in God and like I was saved when I was seven. Um, but it was, again, it was very surface level. Like I would say I was a very like nominal or like cultural Christian, if you will. So like post-college, I kind of went through, um, when I was on my own, I kind of went through a phase of just like, I wanted to numb the pain because I never really drank before. So I was like drinking and all I looked forward to was like going out on the weekends with my friends. Um, 
just to feel normal, just to feel like I'm a normal 20-something girl who doesn't have to worry about bringing extra clothes to go out in case she like, you know, had an accident or whatever. Um, so anyway, I was in a really dark place. Like I just wasn't, and I, instead of going to the one person you're supposed to go to, which is God, I wanted to bury everything and hide my feelings into, again, like earthly, earthly things that we all go to to numb the pain. And I got to a place where I was just like, Sarah, what are you doing? Like I looked in the mirror and I was like, this isn't you. Like, you, I just was so unfulfilled. And it's just that peace that we all talk about that only God can fill. And I was trying to fill it with everything else. And I didn't want to talk to him because I was like, I'm mad at you. Like you took everything from me. God in his incredible love, recognizing that there is absolutely no way that we could get back into relationship with him. There was no way. There was nothing in us, nothing possible to actually get back to the God that we were created for. Comes down and intersects with humanity's brokenness in a rescue mission to save his creation. That's what God did. God actually came to us. In fact, in Romans 6.23, there's an interesting verse there that says, for the wages or the payment or the cost or the punishment for sin, which we're all guilty of, is death. But that verse, there's a button there. But, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift, even though that we were separated, even though there was nothing we could do to get back to him, God again steps in and intersects with humanity. It's the whole idea of, some of you guys have heard John 3.16, right? So, For God so loved the world that he gave. That God actually leaves heaven. Jesus leaves heaven. He puts on flesh, right? He dwells among us in order to do what? To save us. That's what our God did. I was at Indiana Wesleyan University last weekend, actually. I, I was there visiting my daughter. And there's a chapel there. And uh, in this chapel, there's stained glass windows on each side of the chapel. They're really, really narrow. And at the top of each of those stained glasses, there's, uh, there's different images of crosses. And at the front of the church, there's this sculpture here. That's actually a sculpture. It's the artist's rendition of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? This would, have been the, this would have been the day that Jesus would have been betrayed and arrested. This, this next image here is actually a picture of his face. I think. There it is. A picture of his face. And again, this is the artist. Um, um, it's, it's an artist's depiction of the sorrow and the agony that Jesus would have been feeling at that moment. See, what we know is, is that he's praying in the garden. It says that he went to his father on three different times, praying and saying, saying, God, is there any way that this cup could be taken from me? The cup, the, the cup that's represented there because of what God had called him to do. Is there any way that this could be? Is there any different, is there a different way? But he says, not my will be done, but your will be done. 
And you see the pain and you see the anguish on Jesus' face. And it's not the pain and the anguish going, hey, um, the person that's been following me, he's going to betray me. I'm going to be arrested. It's, it's going to be this unjust event. It wasn't the whole idea that, that he was going to be humiliated and shamed. It, it wasn't even that he was going to be beaten before he got to the cross. It wasn't even the cross that was set up as, a, as torture and ex execution to punish the person that was on it. it. It wasn't even that pain. As much as what Jesus realizes that one moment on that cross, the weight of your sin and mine would be placed on him and that he would become an object of his father's wrath. That's what Jesus did for us. The cross and Jesus' death was God's chosen way to demonstrate justice and love at the same time. Perfect justice and love at the same time. You need to think about that justice, God being holy and just, right? How does a God who is holy and just forgive sin where there's the payment of death involved? How does he just sit there and go, yeah, you're a sinner, but come on in. Yes, I love you enough, but come on in. The wages of sin is death. Somebody had to pay for that. So he can remain perfectly just, but also demonstrate his love because what ended up happening is, is Jesus comes in love and grace and mercy and dies in our place. A substitution for us, right? Jesus leaves heaven, is born as a baby, takes on flesh, lives the life that we could never live, which is perfection, to die the death that was meant for you and I as a substitution so that we can now be back in relationship with him. That's why we need to be saved, and that's what God did for us. And the resurrection that we celebrate today was proof that Jesus' suffering and death was payment. Like the debt was paid. God's wrath was satisfied. That's why redemption is now possible. That is why guilty people can now be called not guilty. People that are lost can be found. People that are guilty can be forgiven. And again, it's nothing that we have done. It's all that Jesus has done. So at this intersection, we have this decision to make. Salvation is a, a free gift, but it must be chosen, right? It must be chosen. We need to believe in Jesus. That's why in Acts 4.12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Again, it's all through Jesus. It's nothing that we do. But the gift doesn't stop there. It's not just about salvation and where we're going after we die. See, we are invited into eternal life. We are saved to life, not just life in the future, but life now. This eternal life doesn't, doesn't start somewhere in the future. It starts now. Sure, it's not going to be fully recognized. It's not. In this life, it's not going to be fully recognized. But we have glimpses of it now. 
This life that we're talking about, John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly there has this idea of in excess, greater than we could ever imagine. It's that kind of life. It's not just this abundant life that happens once we leave this earth. It's abundant life now. It's not a life to where we just go, oh, we just got to get through it. Oh, we just have to suffer through it. Oh, it's just about survival. When Jesus saves us, when we receive eternal life, it's a life of, of, of joy and love and peace and freedom. It's a life of resurrection. It's, it's, it's a life of, 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 of sanctification, of transformation, of restoration and victory, even in this mess. It's not something that is future. So I want to look at John 20. Let's look at John 20 real quick. The resurrection of Jesus. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now jump into verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept. as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there with the, where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. It would be really easy in this account to go, how in the world did Mary not know that it was Jesus? Right, Doug? Yeah. How did, he, how did she not know that it was Jesus? How did she not know that there were angels that were in the tomb that she saw? So I want us to kind of step back a little bit and look at Mary, just for a second. Mary loved Jesus. Mary followed Jesus. Mary's life intersected many times with Jesus. In fact, one of these times that her life intersected with him, it says that Jesus cast out seven demons out of her. Mary loved, Mary followed, and just think what all she had been through the last couple of days. Seeing the person that she loves falsely accused seeing the one that she loves beaten and humiliated, suffering and dying on the cross. Think about that. Think of the trauma that would have been involved in that. I doubt she slept much. She shows up at the tomb early while it's still dark to continue the, 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 the preparation of the body for burial. She's got all of these things going on. Could you imagine the thoughts, the shock, the despair, and the grief, possibly feeling hopeless and helpless, like everything she thought she knew had been taken away from her? She was pretty distraught. So she could have missed all of that. So now let's go to verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Mary didn't recognize the figure, but she recognized the voice of her Savior calling her name. Consider the scene for a second time. Mary in her emotional state, the thoughts rushing through her head. You don't go to a tomb to find life. It's a place of sorrow. It's a place of loss. It's a place of death. Yet in that moment, the risen Savior intersects with Mary once again, calling her by name. And in that moment, the place of death, sorrow, loss, pain, confusion, hopelessness turns into a place of love, joy, hope, and celebration. Jesus loves doing that even today. He loves taking what is dead to bring life to it. Loves to take what is old and make it new. Loves to take situations that seem hopeless to breathe hope into it. That's what Jesus does. That's resurrection power. That's Jesus working in our lives. And he loves to take the suffering and pain in our lives and redeem it. I ended up moving to Dallas. I wanted to pursue travel nursing at that time. And um, I really wasn't doing well physically. But again, my personality was just like, go, 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 push, push, push. You know, this isn't gonna stop you. Don't slow down, just keep going. Things will work out, all that good stuff. But when I was trying to do nursing in Dallas, um, again, I was having like daily accidents during work. I mean, it got to the point I would, you know, go see a patient and I'd come out and I couldn't, you know, it would just happen. And I'd go to the bathroom, change my scrubs, go back out. You know, like I just was not stopping. Um, and I, God was so gracious because um, I remember one night my sister-in-law was telling me that there is this amazing church called Watermark. It's a huge mega church, but they have this thing on Tuesday nights called The Porch. Um, and so it was a young adult ministry. I put it off for a really long time. And then finally one night I was like, all right. And at that time I was really struggling with my purpose. And I was like really depressed because I'm like, God, I don't know what you want for me. And so I go to my first like service for The Porch and the sermon was all about your purpose. And I just thought that was so cool how God met me even when I didn't want to meet him in the struggle. And he knew exactly what I was struggling with. And I remember I'm like bawling in the back. So after that, I ended up getting into a community group. Um, and that's where I met some amazing, incredible women who just really helped me in my faith. And at that point I was like, okay, God, I'm all in. Cause I started to see like the change in my soul and the change in my spirit. And it was so interesting because as my spiritual like health, if you will, started to grow, my physical health continued to decline really bad. Um, so it was actually September of 2017. Um, I had just a routine colonoscopy at that point because they're like, we need to see what's going on. Um, and it was terrible, like absolutely terrible. Um, so something they do with this illness, if it gets so severe, is they take out your large intestine. And I remember the whole time through this illness, because at this point it was seven years I had this illness. My dad and I would always be like, never the colon. Like, we're never gonna lose the colon, right? Um, and I remember my parents had flown, had flew, flew down um, and we're all in this room and the doctor, uh,
the doctor came in um, and he said that they had found um, like a precancerous adenoma uh, and that the treatment for that was um, removal of the large intestine, which meant that I would have to have an ostomy bag. Um, so for those of you who don't know what that is, it's um, like a device that goes on the outside of your um, abdomen and a little piece of your intestine comes out and it collects the stool. So I was 25 years old at the time. Um, and so obviously as a 25 year old girl, you think about your future of, you know, I want to get married. I want to have babies. I want to do all that. And so I remember I like blacked out. Like I just, it didn't feel like it was real. Um, so things kind of quickly moved after that because I, I truly like, had no choice in the matter. Um, I was so sick. Like, and to give you perspective, I was 99 pounds. Like rice noodles were <laughs> the only thing I could eat. I was so skinny. It was, it was scary actually. Um, but I remember like God again and his like just being so gracious, like met me in that. Um, and while everything was just clearly spinning out of control, like I felt such peace because I knew that um, no matter what, like he got me, like he had me in his arms and was holding me tight and would get me through it. But also I was just not to be morbid, but I was truly at peace with death because I knew that I would be with Jesus. And it was like, let's go because I'm done with this, you know? So um, I had my first surgery and I got my large intestine removed and got the bag. Um, but it was crazy because I completely got my life back. It was incredible. Like I was able to live again. I was able to get outside, you know, it was amazing. Um, and like, I specifically remember my brother, we were like watching a movie at one point and um, we got through the whole movie and he's like, Sarah, you sat through the entire movie and didn't have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I did, it was crazy. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I had the bag for six months and then I had a reversal surgery. All right, here we are in the recovery room with her. Lots of, lots of wires. Gone. Nice. She's so happy. <laughs> She's so happy. <laughs> happy tears. Happy tears. All right. So I don't have a bag anymore, and I, you know, go to the bathroom like a normal person. But you go a little bit more than the average person. But um, my life is definitely improved since it was. Um, so I went out of that surgery being like cool, like this, I'm gonna feel amazing. I'm not gonna have any problems. And like at this point with my faith, I was like, I'm all in. Like Jesus, you got my heart, let's do this. Um, like I'm just so done with trying to do it my way because my way led to just depression, anxiety, stress. And not saying that that all goes away, but I was just ready for Jesus to truly like do what you want with my life because I'm done trying to control it, I guess. Like I finally was like understanding God more in the sense that like, we can trust him with that. Like there's nothing we can't trust him with. So I think it was just more like coming to terms with the fact that, okay, I say that I trust God and I say that I love God and like he's got his hand on my life, but like, am I actually walking in that? Am I actually like truly living that? So I think having those finally like connect with like my words, but then also like my actions, that's where I think like all the peace came from. 
because it was truly like, I know no matter what, no matter what happens, like even if there's complications, even if I don't make it out of surgery, like there was your will be done. Like it was supposed to be for whatever reason. I just have to understand that I will maybe not, won't understand why, but I don't need to. I'm not meant to understand that, so. Ugh, am I grateful I got sick? <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, that's a tough one. Um, but on it, like, completely full transparency, I would say yes. Because I, I think of where I was, like my spiritual health, like I said, and just like the priorities I had in my life back when, before I got sick. And it was just so like trivial, it was so surface level. And then after getting sick, like God just reveals things to you. I mean, I would love to get rid of the physical aspect that comes with it, um, but suffering cultivates perseverance, perseverance, endurance, and honestly, it cultivated a stronger bond with Jesus, which is like, that's why we're here, right? It's like, you know, show Christ's love to others, but also like love Jesus as best we can. So. I was at work and there was a patient, 23 years old, and keep in mind I was 25 when I had my first colectomy, um, who had severe illness and basically had to have like emergent colectomy essentially. So I went to talk to him and his mom was there as well. And like, as soon as I just started saying like, you know, I went through that surgery myself and like, I'm just, if you have any questions, I mean, he started bawling, his mom started bawling, I started bawling, <laughs> like we're all just hot messes. Um, he just was like, I literally just wanted to talk to someone who was going through it, like this is amazing, you know. And then his mom holds me aside and gives me the biggest hug and she was like, I've been praying all day for someone who has been through it to just come talk to my son. And she's like, God answered my prayer. And like, I was, instead of crying, I mean, I was getting goosebumps. So I was like jumping around. I'm like, isn't God so cool? Like, it's amazing. And like that just like seriously flourished, like my purpose. I'm like, okay, God has me here for an amazing reason. She's here for an amazing reason. She, she had an opportunity to take her pain and suffering and God was able to redeem that as she was able to be his hands and feet to connect with someone else and to actually be answered prayer. He's so good. But you know what? He's so good even when it doesn't turn out that way. God is so good. I would love to be able to say, hey, when your life intersects with Jesus and you choose to follow him, right? And you, you, you choose to drive in his direction, I would love to be able to say that the, the road gets smoother and all the scenery is beautiful. Like, I would love to be able to say that. I would love to be able to say that as you, you, you come to Jesus over and over and over again with all these situations and, and you meet with him and, and step into that intersection with him that eventually you get to a time where things just get easier. They just get easier. Less pain, less doubt, less suffering. That somehow that when we accept Jesus into our lives, that now that we have him and we know where we're going, that life just seems to make more sense. I would love to be able to tell you that. 
But the reality is, is we still live in the mess, right? We still live in a fallen world. But the difference is, someone is with us in that mess. We have a risen Savior that's in us, or with us, in us, and with us in this mess. A risen Savior who died for this mess. A risen Savior who is sovereign over this mess. A risen, a risen, a risen Savior that understands the mess. And a risen Savior that understands us as well. The other thing that we need to remember is, is this life is only temporary. I know that's hard to believe. We want to hold on to this. We, we try to go after it to go like, this is it, but this life is only temporary. This is not our home when we have a relationship with Jesus. Then that God, even if our circumstances never change, like never change, he's still able to meet us in those circumstances. He's able to give us what we need in those circumstances. The message in the cross and the resurrection is we know who has won and who will ultimately win. The risen Savior is with us right now, and in him there is always hope. There's always hope. One day Jesus will return and make all things right, right? All the evil and sin in the world and its results outside of us and inside of us will be gone for those who have a relationship with Jesus. And because of Jesus' resurrection, we are promised one day to have a glorious resurrection all our own. That's our Jesus. So, you know, I wish I could be one of those stories that sometimes you hear at churches or on YouTube or whatever that it's like, you know, I surrendered to God and then he healed me and life's been amazing. But that's not my story. Um, so recently, so I was avoiding doing a pouchoscopy, which is a scope, because I knew the results weren't going to be good just based on how I was feeling. Um, I was just struggling with the fact of like, how bad is it? Like, I mean, am I going to have to be on medicine? I just, again, I just didn't want to know. Like, I just would rather blindly <laughs> keep going until I probably wound up in the hospital and needed it out. Um, but there are amazing people in my life who spoke into me, including my amazing fiance. Um, and, you know, he's like, you, we're gonna, we have God. Like, he is the greatest strength that you will ever need. And he's like, we have each other. You have amazing support team. He's like, no matter the results, like, we're gonna get through it. And I'm like, okay. Cause I just didn't wanna do it. I, you know, it's like, you know these things to be true, but you just need these people. And by, thank the Lord that he used people to speak into me. So um, I went in and that was actually this past uh, March 8th. Um, and so I went in for my scope and the results were terrible. <laughs> it's pretty angry in there. And I think like, honestly, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm at a point that I just, my hope is just shattered. Um, I wish I could tell you that I, I am, you know, and I do, I trust God with my whole heart and my whole soul, but like, I'm just so tired of this and the same thing over and over again. Um, and it leads me to question, like, I just, I don't know, like, again, like, what is he doing? Um, and like I've said with the story before, um, 
you know, I see it. I see the glimpses and I've seen, there's other, and there's a plethora of stories I could tell you that like I have seen God's hand and God's grace and goodness in the battling of this illness. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm wrestling through a season of just like, I know God is good and I have no doubt about that. And like, I know he's gonna do something great with this, but it's more, I just don't wanna endure it anymore. Like, can we skip that part? <laughs> like, can I help all the people you wanna help with my story? But like, can we stop with me dealing with this inflammation? And, and the way I've used this example in the past is like, I feel like I'm this punching bag and it's like, I get hit, I come back. Get hit, come back. Get hit, come back. And now it was like at this point, I felt like I got hit and it was like, uh, I don't know if I want to come back. Cause like this, I can't take more heartbreak. Like, I don't know. I have asked multiple times, like, God, like, I don't, and like, why won't you just heal me? Like screamed it. Like why, why? I think it's really cool how God um, speaks to me. He uses music and song. That is where, and I will tell this to anybody, I feel the most full of the spirit is when I get to sing to the Lord. Um, I think that's where he meets me and where I meet him most authentically. But I heard like a song recently that was just super powerful. And again, like God just working. Um, and is even if everything I know is taken away, I won't lose hope. Um, I'll cling to the one who won't let go, just give him Jesus. I think that's so powerful because we as Christians know that like God is our hope. He's our savior. And he has never, ever let me down when I reflect on my story, like ever. So why would I doubt him now? Um, and even like saying these words and just, it's like, I know I, I say that like my hope is like shattered, but it's not. It's still always there just because Jesus, I know like, will bring me through just like he did every single time before, no matter how hard it hurts or how hard it is. But like that song said, even if everything I know is taken away, I won't lose hope because I am Jesus. And I'm so grateful that he loves me enough to choose me as one of his daughters.